At the heart of our gospel reading for this morning is desire. So one of my uh, favorite books on Christian spirituality is called Holy Longing by Ronald Rollheiser. And in it, he writes about how um, every single one of us is born with an unquenchable fire, he says, a restlessness, a longing, a disquiet, a hunger, a loneliness, a gnawing nostalgia, a wildness that cannot be tamed, a congenital, all-embracing ache that lies at the center of human experience and is the ultimate force that drives everything else. We feel that restlessness in us, and we're driven by that desire and how we choose to channel that fire over the course of our lives, either in positive and life-giving ways or in negative, destructive ways, is our spirituality. And so in that sense, everybody has a spirituality, whether they see themselves as being religious or not. And so Rollheiser talks about how, you know, at the heart of all great literature, poetry, art, philosophy, psychology, religion, lies the naming and analyzing of this desire. So I remember around the same time that I read this book, I also watched this movie. It's called Shaun of the Sheep. Anybody watch that movie? It's like a, it's like a claymation animation movie. It got nominated for an Oscar. And it's about this cute little sheep named Sean, who along with the rest of his flock is just bored by life. And he's just bored of their predictable routine. They wake up, they get fed, they get their wool shorn, you know, they take naps. They're just bored um, with their farmer. Um, and this farmer really loves them and takes care of them. So they want more excitement in their lives. And so one day they decide to like switch things up and in the process end up getting separated from their farmer. And what happens, I won't spoil it for you, but it leads to total chaos, just total chaos. And then it's in the midst of that chaos that they realize how good life was with their farmer. And the rest of this movie is all about them going on this search for their farmer because they realize that home is wherever he is. It's really quite poignant. I was getting choked up and I'm like choked up by these sheep. But the point is that even Sean of the sheep has a spirituality. You know, this desire that says, I will do anything, I will risk everything just to be with my farmer again. So in these few short verses in Luke, the same Greek word for desire is used three times in four verses. So Herod desires to kill you. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. You did not desire it. So desires, both the disordered and the ordered desires, just run all throughout this passage. So Herod wanted to kill Jesus. Why? This is the same Herod that beheaded his cousin, John the Baptist. And Mark tells us that Herod thought that Jesus was John raised from the dead. He was paranoid. He was afraid of Jesus. And we know, just even looking at the headlines today, that fear coupled with power always leads to violence. 
We see that playing out in the Ukraine and so many places of conflict around the world. You know, John had been really popular among the people, and so was, so was Jesus. And so many of John's followers now followed Jesus. And Herod wanted to hold on to this power that he has. And that's what fear does to us. Fear makes us want to control things, to control our realities, you know, to hustle in order to get what we want. Like that is human nature that just goes unchecked. Now, I'm, I'm no dictator. Um, they maybe you should ask the church staff about that. <laughs> you know, I'm not a dictator, but I can see the seeds of that impulse in myself too. Like I would say that like 99.9 of the stress that I experience comes from fear. It's a fear of failure, fear of disappointing others, fear of scarcity, fear of being unloved, fear of experiencing pain. And I will do everything in my power. I will hustle like crazy in order to avoid that kind of vulnerability. You know, like too many emotionally immature and psychologically unstable men who hold political power in our world, Herod too had this desire and the power to kill Jesus. He wanted to control his situation. You know, most of us in that position, if we were Jesus, like we would have just like hightailed it out of there immediately, right? But not Jesus. You know, Jesus is defiant in the face of Herod. And he says, you tell that fox. And like the fox in the ancient times, it was not like fox as we think about it, like sly and cunning. It didn't have the same connotation. Fox in ancient times was more like vermin, like a buffoon. And Jesus has some real chutzpah to say that to somebody who's got the power to kill him. And he said, in essence, you tell that fox that my agenda is not set by you. I'm going to continue doing what I have been doing, casting out demons, healing the sick. And he says, I will depart when my work here is done, not because of you, to avoid being killed, but I will depart and go to Jerusalem in order to be killed. In verse 33, he says, I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. And by saying this, he's drawing attention to a really sad and kind of tragic truth at that time. He's placing himself in this tradition of the prophets who were sent by God again and again to speak on God's behalf to the people of Israel and then ended up being persecuted and killed. There was this fire that burned in the hearts of the prophets that caused them to go not away, but straight into the heart of darkness and danger in order to speak the word of God to the people God loves. And that's as true today as it was in ancient times. And Jeremiah the prophet says, if I say I will not mention him, he's talking about the Lord, or speak any more in his name, then within me there is something like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I cannot hold it in. I have to speak the word of God. Why? Because there was a desire in him that was stronger than fear. Isaiah 61 the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, 
to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Go and tell that fox for me, listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. This is why I came, to set the captives free, to heal the sick, to give sight to the blind, to restore what has been broken and to make it whole again. The most powerful person in the world wanted to kill Jesus, but for him, he knew that it was only by his death on the cross that this salvation that Isaiah is talking about, this healing, this good news, this freedom, this restoration would then come to the world. And that desire was the North Star of Jesus. It's just gather people unto himself in God's embrace. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones, that, and stones those that are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather you, and to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. What they truly want and need is for their house to be full and joyful with the presence of God. But instead, because they reject that word, because they reject God, instead their house will be left to them, Jesus says, which means abandoned and forsaken. In other words, they will end up getting exactly what they want. Every one of us has that fire within us, and we can channel that fire in ways that are life-giving, or we can channel that fire in ways that destroy us and others. And they chose instead destruction by rejecting and crucifying the one who came to give them life. And so Jesus cries out over Jerusalem, and he uses a really tender and surprising image, that of a mother hen. And you see this contrast between Herod the fox and Jesus the mother hen. You know, don't you ever wonder, like, why didn't he choose a more powerful image? You know, like, maybe he could have chosen, like, a mighty eagle that would bear Israel up on his wings, or this powerful and majestic lion of Judah that roars and scatters his enemies. And here's what the priest Barbara Brown Taylor says about this. She writes, The image of God as a hen is one that lays bare God's vulnerability. When you are the mother hen, all you can do is open your wings wide and gather as many as you can. But you cannot make the chicks come in regardless of how open the invitation Jesus won't be the king of the jungle in this story. What he will be is a mother hen who stands between the chicks and those who mean to do them harm. She has no fangs, no claws, no rippling muscles. All she has is her willingness to shield her babies with her own body. If the fox wants them, he will have to kill her first which he does, as it turns out. He slides up on her one night in the yard while all the babies are asleep, 
And when her cry wakens them, they scatter. And she dies the next day where both foxes and chickens can see her. Wings spread, breast exposed, without a single chick beneath her feathers. It breaks her heart, but it does not change a thing. If you mean what you say, then this is how you stand. It's the love of a mother, fierce. Like a mother would do anything for her child. And I remember someone once saying that having a child is like deciding forever to have your heart go walking around outside of your body. Love is fierce, it's powerful, and it makes you vulnerable. And the desire of Jesus led himself to, led himself to make him vulnerable for us and to shield us with his own body and to gather as many as he could under the protection of his outstretched arms on the cross. Was he afraid when he went to the cross? Yes. Like that's what the Garden of Gethsemane it was all about, that in that moment when he was looking at the heart of darkness, taking all the sins of the world for all time unto himself, descending into hell, he sweats drops of blood and cries out, Father, take this cup from me. Please, take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And that fire that burned in him extinguished his life. It's vulnerable to choose to love like this. It's vulnerable to choose love over fear. And yesterday um, morning, I got caught up just watching videos of ordinary Ukrainians taking up arms in order to protect their homes and their families. <laughs> like Jimmy came downstairs and I had like tears streaming down my face. So here's you know, this old man standing in line. You know, here's a software engineer you know, who's never shot a gun before in his life. And I remember there was this one young mother who was sitting there and she was talking about getting trained. She's like, I've never shot a gun in my life. And the reporter was asking her, like, are you afraid? And she said, yes, I'm scared to death. She's like, but this is everything that I love. This is my home. This is my family. She's like, I have no choice. I have to stay and fight. She's this picture of love that is stronger than fear. So this morning, you know, as we reflect on desire, you know, this fire of desire that courses through our universe, that courses through the person of Jesus. Let's ask ourselves, you know, what fire burns in me? You know, Lent gives us that opportunity to ask that question, you know, how am I channeling that fire? Is it in ways that are driven by fear? Is it in these ways that are diminishing and dehumanizing and destructive to me and to others or in ways that give life and bring healing and freedom like the one that we follow lord where have my desires gotten away from you and when we talk about lead being a season where we're asking this question how can i return to the lord with all my heart you know, what we're saying in the end is, God, like, in the deepest, truest part of me, 
I just desire to do your will. That's what I want. You, Jesus, help me to enter into your desire for our world, for our city, for me, for those I love. You're just longing for all people to be gathered into your love, to experience the wholeness that you desire and that you created us and that you created this world for. You know, let that fire of your love burn in me that I might also weep over a world that is burning in destruction. You know, that's what makes Lent you know, sort of a sobering season, isn't it? Because we're not just reflecting about ourselves individually, we're reflecting for ourselves collectively. You know, and we're looking out at this world and saying, where has this world gone astray, you know, from those divine purposes that God has for it? And how do we enter in to that heart and that fire and that burning love of Jesus that longs to bring healing, longs to bring all people into his embrace. And so as we just move forward in Lent over these next few weeks, I invite you to reflect on that question. And as we do, I also invite us into prayer. And I just want us to spend a few moments right now, just a moment of silence, and just to ask yourself, what desire is burning in me? What desire is burning in me? What's been driving me right now? Is it fear and anxiety? Or is it love for God, for my neighbor, for our world, for myself? And just to come before God and just say, God, I want what you desire. And God, help me to step into that place of just vulnerability the way you did, Jesus. And yes, I'm afraid, and yes, I'm anxious, yes, I am stressed and weighed down, but I just need a little bit more courage that comes from love. And so God, give me that courage to turn away from what diminishes and turn towards the life that is truly life. us to just pray that prayer. God, help me to enter into your desire, Jesus, for our world. Give me that heart that weeps, that's not so bound up in myself, but that sees the world as you see it, broken and hurting and in need of your healing. And thank you, Jesus, that um, you have brought 
your salvation to us by giving up your life for us on the cross. Where can we look in our world today and say, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh, Kiev, Kiev, oh, Moscow, Moscow, oh, Tigray, Tigray, oh, New York City, New York City, how I long to gather you in my arms like a mother hen gathering her chicks, but you were not willing. And just to be able to weep for our world and pray for our world and to pray that God would help us to stand with Jesus like that mother hen with our arms outstretched and to gather those around us, those who are broken, or the vulnerable, just gather them in the arms of the love of God. Just as we move into prayers of the people, I just want us to stay in this prayerful space on behalf of our world and of those that we love and ourselves. And just ask God to bring to mind those, pl those people and those places that you long to see God gather into his loving embrace. See the faces. See the places. to enter in. And I invite you even now, you know, if you're here in person or if you're joining us online, just even now, um, and I'm just going to invite us, if you're here in person, to say it, it out loud. You know, we don't even have to go in order, but just to whisper, you know, those people Places that we want to bring to the, the throne of God in prayer this morning. And if you're online, I just invite you to write those names into the live chat. And let's let's collectively stand with Christ and be like that mother hen, just stretching our arms out right now in prayer, just embracing our world. So even now, just speak those names out loud. 